Amen. It feels a little different this morning not having a mic in my hand. But like I said, my wife says I've got a big enough mouth, so we're going to run with it. <laughs> Amen. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. We are continuing in the miraculous series this morning. And we've been talking about how Jesus still performs miracles. And can everybody hear me okay? Do I need to get a little louder? If I need to get a little louder, I can. Okay. And so we've been talking about over the past couple weeks um, in the month of March how uh, Jesus still performs miracles. And we said that just because the book after it was written and the last word in Revelation, amen, was written, that does not mean the book was closed, the job was done, the business was done. Jesus Christ still performs miracles. He is still alive and doing well. He still seated at the right hand of the Father. All we have to do is call upon the name of Jesus and we shall be saved. We shall be healed. We shall be forgiven. We shall be delivered when we call upon the name of Jesus Christ because there is still power in the name of Jesus. And so Mark chapter 8 beginning in verse 22 through 25 very well-known passage of Scripture. I won't keep you very long. just want to share just a few things what the Lord revealed to me through this chapter and this verse. Mark 8, 22 through 25, the Bible says, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes, I know it sounds gross, but let's just get through this. And when he had spit on his eyes, by the way, he's blind, so he didn't know what was coming anyway. Are you thankful that God doesn't show you some of the things? Amen. Amen. Because I promise you, if anybody spits on me, we're going to have either one or two things. We're either going to have a revival or we're going to have a dance on the floor. <laughs> and put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees. Walking after that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he restored and saw every man clearly. This morning, I want to preach a message titled, for a few moments, Double Take. Double Take. And you'll see where I'm coming with that title, Double Take. Sometimes you and I have double take where we are. We see ourselves here, but we need to really see ourselves here. And so we need to do a double take sometimes. Sometimes we kind of shift a little bit to the wrong side and we need to double take and really realize where we are and where God has us and where he wants us. And so just for a few moments, I want to get into the context of the scriptures. That way you understand where, um, where this story is going and coming from. And so in Mark chapter 8, in verse 22 through 25, we see that there is a blind man that was brought by certain people. And they brought him to Jesus. And if you study this, it seemed like the men that brought him to Jesus, they wanted him healed more so than the blind man wanted healed. And so they brought him in, into the city. And so when they brought him to Jesus, begging him to heal this man. 
And if you notice, Jesus didn't heal him right then. He took him by the hand and led him out of the city. And so he withdrew himself. He didn't stay in the midst of the crowd and the multitude and all the witnesses and all the people. And the Bible says he basically withdrew himself from the town. And Jesus done this a total of three times in the book of Mark. In the book of Mark chapter 5, you will find where he heals Jairus' daughter. We all know the very well-known scripture and story of how he healed Jairus' daughter who was dead. A 13-year-old girl who died. And so when Jesus came into the house and he looked at the damsel and he said, she is only asleep. And so when they heard Jesus say, she is only asleep, they laughed him to scorn. And so by Jesus automatically feeling the unbelief and the, un, and, and the non-faith in the hearts of the people that were in the room, Jesus house cleaned for a few moments and he told everybody, get out of this house. He didn't want no doubt. He didn't want no, no uh, unbelief in the house. Because sometimes our doubts and our unbeliefs can hinder our miracles. It can hinder our blessings. It's like I remember during our revival when Brother Oscar Sievers was talking about how we uh, lock and block our miracles by when we say, God, I know you can heal me. God, I know you can do this. But, God, I need you to move in this situation. But, that but will get us in trouble. That but will block our blessing if we're not careful. That's because we have a slight amount of doubt and unbelief in our heart when we use the word but. And so when Jesus looked at the damsel, he said, he said in those two words, Talatha which means damsel, it is time to arise. He was, she was only asleep in the eyes of Jesus Christ. And so we also look in Mark chapter 7 when we find a man that was deaf and hearing and he was, uh, he was mute. Or in other words, he had a speech impediment. And so Jesus here again, he withdrew himself from the Sea of Galilee and he places both fingers in his ears. And then he, again, here's the nasty part, he spits on his hand and places it on his mouth. And so the man received instantly his hearing and was able to talk plainly. And said, so now we hear in Mark chapter 8 where we see now this account of this blind man. And believe it or not, it's actually world ancient remedy. For spit, actually, the saliva, they believed, actually was a part of healing. It was like a healing ointment in the world ancient history. And so this is where they get a lot of the, of the, the saliva and the uses of spit. Now, I won't try to not stay on that topic for too long because so I don't want nobody getting sick to their stomach. But just like, for example, if you get a paper cutter, you get a cut on your finger, how many times have you seen somebody take their finger and put it in their mouth? Or if you see somebody hammering on nails and building on a, a house or, or something, they smash that thumb and, they, and immediately they go straight to the mouth. Because, again, it's believed to be an old, ancient uh, healing remedy. But see, but if you look at the actual context of the blind man, the reason Jesus used his spit was because if you understand the blindness of the man, he was blind and therefore his eyes became scaly and they were in a very dry climate area. So therefore his eyes were basically swollen shut from being so dry he couldn't even open up his eyelids to even try to even see. So Jesus used the spit to open up his 
his eyelids before he performed the miracle. And so now he opens up his eyes and then he places his hands upon his eyes and then he asks the man a very, a very um, uh, questioning question, if I can call it that. He said, what do you see now? He said, I see men as trees. So that statement right there, as I was studying this, that one statement right there showed me that this man was not born blind. Now you say, well, how do you know that? How can you see it? Because if the man was born blind, he wouldn't be able to distinguish between trees from trees and men from men. He would have to have been taught, this is a tree, this is a man, this is a donkey, and this is a woman. He had to be shown everything. So therefore, he knew what he saw. He knew what he was looking at. But then, there again, he touched him again and said, now what do you see? He said, now I see everything clearly. But then you get to looking at this story and you notice that when Jesus laid his hands upon the blind man, he did not get his eyesight back instantaneously. We are so used to reading stories of Jesus performing miracles instantly. Arise, take up your bed, and walk. Uh, when the... A uh, woman with the issue of blood came up to Jesus and said, Go in faith, your faith has made you whole. Or when he called Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, come forth. We're so used to seeing Jesus every time he performs a miracle, it's instantly. And now we see Jesus now doing a two-part process healing. And you say, well, did Jesus mess up? Did he miss the mark the first time? No, he did not. Jesus does not make mistakes. And see, one, some uh, believe that the reason Jesus did a two-part process of the healing is because some believe the first time he saw, he saw men as trees which is actually scriptural. If you read Psalms chapter 1 and beginning in verse 1, it says that they were plant, that he was planted like trees up, uh, beside the waters. The scriptures reference us as trees. So that, that is scriptural. And they believe that he was first time healing his spiritual eyes. And then secondly, he was healing his physical eyes. And then some believe that when Jesus done this two-part process of something they wasn't used to seeing was simply because he wanted to prove that just because I changed the process, just because I use a different method than what you're used to, I still have the liberty, I still have the authority to, the, uh, to perform the miracle even when I do it in, in a way you don't think I ought to do it. And so now he places his hands on him the second time and he receives his healing. And so three things I want to show you in this, in the, from this story right here that we need to understand and realize when we get our miracles in order to receive our miracles and our blessings is number one, transition. In verse 23, and he took the blind man by the hand, and here it is, and led him out of the town. Transition. A lot of people don't like transition in the church, especially in the church. A lot of people don't like transition. They don't like to move. They don't like to shift. Because when you go from transitioning from one place to the other, you've been in one spot for so long, it becomes comfy. It becomes, oh, I like where I'm at. Right? Praise God. I love you. I'm happy where I'm at. Don't think you're going to move me. Wow. And when we do that, and we have that I'm not moving mentality, 
like Jesus right here, he performed a miracle that, w that the people that were experiencing and watching was not uh, accustomed to. They think as soon as Jesus lays that hand on that head, he's going to be healed just like that, but he wasn't. And so, again, you've got to understand the blind man did not have to transition. He could have easily grabbed his hand and said, no, no, I'm staying inside the walls. I'm staying inside this town. I'm not going out of this town. I'm not leaving this town. I like it where I'm at. And if you want to heal me, you can heal me right where I'm at. So he had a choice that day. You can either go with me and get healed, or you can stay right here and stay blind. We, stay, we have this mentality that we're not moving because we have done the same thing for years and for years and for years. And, and Jesus is trying to show us, I've got a new thing for you today. I've got greater things for you. Why won't you get up and move to where I'm trying to carry you to? Come on. If we become stagnant, if we become sitting in one area in our spiritual walk, eventually, if you even sit right there where you are right now, and if you sit on those pews for so long, your back begins to hurt, your legs begin to go numb, and you, got to, you start squirming around, and eventually the pain will hit you so strong, eventually I've got to get up and I've got to move. And I believe Jesus is what he's doing today. He's sitting things in America to wake us up because we have been sitting for so long in the same place. And God said, it's time to move. It's time to transition from where you are to where I want to heal you and the place I want you to go. And see, a lot of, a lot of times people think because it's where I'm going, I don't see where I'm going because we're spiritually blind. Like the man here, he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know where he was going to end up. And all he knew was a man by the name of Jesus took him by the hand. And he said, where am I going? Because I can't see. But sometimes we're going to have to trust Jesus Christ that when I can't see where I'm going, I know I've got him by the hand and, I'm, and he's leading me. He is guiding me and he's taking me where I need to go if I could just simply trust in him. Transition. A lot of people don't like transition. It's because they have been so stuck for the past 40 years in the same position. And they believe they've done received all they can receive from Jesus Christ. That they have no reason to move. And so many times they feel and see themselves experiencing the same thing every single Sunday morning and the same thing every single Wednesday night, they don't see change. I want to tell you what, uh, what is called the definition of insanity. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expect different results. Right. It's called insanity. We are spiritually insane. Right. If that's uh, correctly to say. And so Psalms 32 and 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with my eyes. Jesus wants to lead us. He's wanting to instruct us through his word. Through the scriptures. He is wanting to teach us. He wanted, he's wanting to lead us into the way that we should go. To transition from glory to glory. That's how we move into the spiritual world. We move from glory 
to glory. When God uh, blesses me out of this battle and through this trial and I come out through this wilderness and through this desert land, I will give the glory to God. So that is my glory. And now it's time for me to shift and transition to my next glory. We should strive each and every single day to grow that closer and a little bit closer to Jesus each and every time. We should draw closer and closer and have a desire that each and every single morning that I wake up, it's a new day and it's a day that the Lord has made. And it's like, what can I do this day in order to draw closer to you? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Don't let me be in the same place I was yesterday. Let this be a new day that I may grow. Uh, grow uh, stronger and closer to you. Amen. Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. He's wanting to do a new thing for us today. Yes. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He wants to do a new thing. For us today. He wants to do a new thing for us. But he can't, we can't experience the new. If we're still in the same place. That we were 5, 10, 15 years ago. They expect to be closer with God. And so number two. It's not the method. It's the message. Right. Notice what the scripture says. And when he had spit on his eyes. And put his hands upon him. And asked him if he saw aught. And see, again, when Jesus put his hands upon his eyes to heal him, and notice that he did not fully receive his sight the first time. And people that were standing there knowing who Jesus Christ is, knowing that it's the one that as soon as he lays hands on anybody with any kind of infirmity, they can automatically be restored and be healed instantaneously. But all of a sudden they see Jesus healing on the blind man and seeing that he did not receive his sight the first time because he didn't see clearly. He saw men as trees. It's not the method. We need to quit, we need to quit looking at the method. Methods change. Seasons change. People change. But the message stays the same. And see, what we've done in the church of God back in 1950 is not the same what we do in 2020. It's different methods, but the message stays the same. Right. It's like when Jesus came into the town of Jerusalem, what did he come in on? He came in on a donkey. They looked at him and said, this cannot be the Christ. This cannot be the Messiah. Why? Because they were stuck to a method. They were struck that, that when Jesus came into town, he should be riding on a big white horse. But yet he came riding on a donkey. And so and then they said he did not come preaching authority, but he came preaching humility. They were so struck on the method that they lost the blessing. They missed the miracle. He was right there in front of, his, in front of their eyes. But they were so struck on what they thought it should look like. They, they, saw what, they thought what he should be riding on. And so many times when we come into the house of God, we automatically got in our mindset of how church is going to be and how, what, how it's going to end, what the pastor's going to do, what the songs are going to sing, how they're going to do the altar service because we've got in our mind it's a, we're so focused on the method of what we use in the church services of how the church is. And, and, and we lose focus on the message. Jesus was showing a message here. 
It was showing a message that says, hey, even though I may do things a little different than what you think I ought to do, because my ways are not your ways, nor are your ways my ways. But if you will focus on what I'm trying to do in here, then you won't miss the message. Quit worrying about the method. It's the message of Jesus Christ. Amen. And see, people go into these more, what I call more modern churches. And so there's nothing wrong with a modern church. And they're running 2,000, 3,000 people. Praise God for them. And then people walk in and they got the most phenomenal praise and worship. They got on fire preaching. And because they got a little uh, few things different than what we are accustomed to and what we have in the church, doesn't mean that they're not wrong. It just means they're using a different method than we are, but their message is still the same. They got all these young ones and they got all these young teenagers going and they're in the altars with their arms raised up and they're crying out to God and souls are being saved and, and we get so strong on the method of what they're doing than the message that they're receiving. And so again, we lose so much from God. We lose so many miracles and so many blessings simply because we've got our eyes focused on the wrong thing. And it's the method. Jesus saying, don't look at the method. Look at the message. In Romans 12 and 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be, don't be conformed to the things of this world. And that goes along with uh, only looking at methods. When we come in, we should look through the eyes of Christ. Lord, what would you have for me today? Lord, I'm in your house. I want to serve you. I want to receive from you. I want to hear from you. I want to receive my blessing. I've been going through hell and high waters. I come this morning to receive my miracle. And I want my mind to be renewed. That way when I come in, my mind does not lose track of the message. And my eyes don't stay so focused on the method. And I will come and receive from you. This morning. So ways we miss the blessing is we're not willing to transition. We're willing to stay right where we're at. And the method, and, and we stay so focused on the method and not the message. I will say this, and I meant to say this in transition. Let me back up just one second. If you look at the very well-known story, this is where transitioning, not transitioning, will get you hung up and messed up. If you look at the story in 2 Samuel and in chapters 11 through 12, I believe, don't quote me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, chapter 11 and 12, you have King David. And King David sent Joab into war, and he put him on the front lines. And where did David stay? David stayed back in Jerusalem. And when Joab went to the, in war in place of King David, there's where his transition should have been. His transition should have been on the front lines with his people of Israel, on the army of Israel, because he was the king. He was the one that should have been there. But watch this, because he didn't transition to go into the army. He stayed right where he was at. What happened? He set himself up for a trap, because it's then, then he fell and laid eyes on Bathsheba and saw Bathsheba. And then what happened? His heart and his spirit began to be filled with lust. And so he said, who is this woman? I've got to have this woman. And so he says, Uriah, her husband, 
into the front lines to be what? Killed. So he can have this woman. If he would have transitioned like he was supposed to transition, he never would have been in the trap. He never would have fell into the trap of lust. And a man never would have lost his life simply because he didn't want to transition. So it's important that you and I stay in the transition mode. Anytime the Spirit of God moves and shifts, we shift with the Spirit of God. So uh, transition number one, number two, it's not the method but the message. And number three, and lastly, Look up. Look up. It's simply look up. And in Scripture, in verse 25, and that he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. Hebrews 12 and 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. How many times have we been through so much, and we've been through so many things, and we don't look up? We, our eyes are so, so down all the time. We all, we're constantly looking more down than we are up. It's like when we go through trials and different situations, it's like it, it beats us down and our eyes stay to the ground and it stays straight ahead instead of we need to look up to heaven. We need to look up to heaven. That's where our source comes. That's where our miracle comes from. That's where our blessing comes from. It's from above. And where the scripture says for every good gift comes from where? It comes from above. God wants uh, to bless us. He wants us to uh, be healed. He wants to have every miracle throughout our entire life and every aspect and anything we need from God. He wants to give us. But if we don't have the right focus, we need to keep our eyes upon heaven. We need to keep our eyes upon the kingdom. And we need to keep our eyes upon Jesus Christ because all other ground is seeking sand. And lastly, 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guilt and hip, uh, hypocrisy and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. When well, we can finally come into the house of God, and we put all this garbage aside. All these things that keep our minds in the gutter. All these things that keeps our spirits in the dumps. All this malice and, and envious and all this hypocrisy. We don't need to have a pharisaic spirit or a scribe spirit. We need to come in here with one mind. And that's to worship Jesus and to hear from him and to worship him and to glorify him. And put all this garbage aside. Because I'm going to tell you, the longer you carry the garbage, the more you're going to smell like garbage. Right. If you're going to waddle with the pigs, you're going to look like a pig. Right. And basically what I'm saying is, put all of this aside. We're about to pack up 
And we're going to look up because one day the eastern side, the sky is going to bust wide open. And the trumpet will sound and Jesus Christ will come on a white horse and with his vesture dipped in blood. And on his thigh will shall be written King of kings and Lord of lords. And I'm going to tell you this. We ought to better start looking up because God, God is sending a wake-up call to us, to the church, and to America. It's time for the church to arise and be the church that God has called and be the bride of Christ and put all this crap aside and start coming in and worship him and, and more importantly after we come in and we receive from Christ and we receive from the spirit that we leave this church and take it to the lost and the hurt and the dying world that you and I face every single day right. and as I close don't let don't let these things hinder you and keep you from receiving the miracles that Jesus has for you. So many of us need so much from God. I bet if I said right now, every, every person in here will raise their hand. Do you need a touch from God? I bet everybody will raise their hand right now. Do you need something from God? I bet everybody will raise their hand. And so, but if we're not careful, we won't transition with the Spirit. We won't move when God says move. And we keep our eyes focused on the wrong thing of how things go, how people do things, the method. And we lose focus on the message. More important than the message. And then thirdly, we quit looking up. We quit looking at God as our source. Just like right now. All these people are so struck with fear over the coronavirus. Again, I will respect the power of that virus. Because God does give, give us wisdom and knowledge. But there's nothing wrong with being precautious. God is still on the throne. He is still our healer. Yeah. But people are so struck with fear. What if I get it? 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 What will happen? What if I die? What if I die? Quit looking at the situation and start looking at him. Yeah. Because he's the one that will protect us. He's the one that will cover us because it's through his shed blood. Isaiah 53, 5. By your stripes that you bear upon the cross, I am healed. <clears throat> so we need to start trusting God for all things. As we all stand this morning, as my wife begins to sing this song, the President of the United States called today to be a national day of prayer. For all churches, all believers, anybody who is willing to pray, to come together and pray over this coronavirus. And so as my wife begins to sing this song, if you, if you need a touch and you need something from God, please, by all means, come. And I'll be more than happy to pray. But if you don't need anything from the Lord this morning, as, as she sang this song, I want us all in unity. Come together. You can stay right where you are. But all in spirit, come together. And let's pray over this coronavirus. Let's pray the power of the blood over it. Let's rebuke Satan and all of his attacks. And that the church will arise and this coronavirus will go back where it came from. Amen. Amen.